Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too, go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand idle? Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Okay, so uh, we don't have to raise hands, but if there's anybody here who heard that gospel and that little interior four-year-old voice bubbled up and said, that's just not fair, uh, you're not alone, okay? So um, if there's any part of you listening to this parable that like, like that got under your skin, there's something about this that bothers you, like that's good, that's good. That's like, that's, the parable's working, right? That's how Jesus is confronting some of the, ways of thinking that we have that are just not kingdom ways of thinking so all right so again don't have to we don't have to raise hands but like if this parable got under your skin and you just said that's not fair that's good that's the point so we needed to we need this parable to invert our expectations and invert our um, understanding of the way that we think god ought to behave because again god's ways are not our ways and and his his thoughts are not our thoughts so because the reality is we, we so often get this whole thing wrong when we think that we are the workers earning our way up the mountain of life, trying to get ourselves by grace and all these things up to heaven. That life is this big, I don't know, like Olympic arena where we're trying to compete really well. We're trying to like work our way to that place, that final goal, that destiny. The thing, though, is that like that's just not Christianity. It's a thing called Pelagianism. It's a heresy. Like, there's a lot of American heretics walking around today who think that we're earning our way to the heavenly reward that we all hope for. 
that's not Christianity. That's Pelagianism. Because the, the, the reality is um, we can't earn it. We can't earn it. See, when you listen to this parable, the accent mark isn't on the, the laborers doing the labor. The accent mark is on the landowner doing the searching. I mean, five times he goes out throughout the day. In the heat of the day, this landowner, who normally, landowners, they should be the ones reclining comfortably in their house, right? At sweet repose. But this landowner five times is going out in search of people. He's going out five times. It's an image of the incarnation, right? The, very, the beginning of the parable is what gives it all away. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who goes out, right? This is not a parable about economics. This isn't a parable about how we earn our way. This is a parable about the heart of our God who comes in pursuit of us. One of my favorite authors of all time, I'm, pr- I'm sure I've preached about him before, but uh, at least here, that uh, C.S. Lewis. Any C.S. Lewis fans out here? Good, okay. Uh, C.S. Lewis has this great line about Christianity. He says, to speak about Christianity as our pursuit of God or our search for God is like speaking about the mouse's search for the cat. You feel me? Like, it's, it's just the inverse. It's the opposite. We are the hunted. We are the pursued. In fact, the very first paragraph of the catechism, very first paragraph, like the preamble to everything that comes after it starts with, at all times and at all places, God draws close to man. He comes after us. That's how this all works, right? This is the incarnation that God pursues us in mercy. One of my favorite Eucharistic prayers is Eucharistic prayer four. That in the, uh, um, it's not the preface. It's in, it's in, the, actual, it's in the actual prayer. But um, one of the lines is, in mercy, you came to the aid of all. And time and again, you offered humanity covenants so that they would learn to seek after you, right? That like all of salvation history, everything in the Old Testament, everything we were just hearing about in this first reading, the story about them wanting a king from Abraham to David to Moses and Goliath and Saul and all of them, the Old Testament, every, every part of it is the pursuit of the bridegroom, the pursuit of God coming after us, coming after humanity, in this mission of mercy, his heart breaking open to come after us. It's all mercy. It's him coming after us in mercy. We're going to hear it tomorrow. If you go to Mass tomorrow, the gospel tomorrow is um, the story of the, the, the parable that Jesus gives of the king who throws the wedding feast for his son. And he sends out like messengers to invite people into the feast. He sends them out to the highways and the byways, the hedge growers. I want my house to be filled. Come to the feast, right? This same parable is so reminiscent of the good shepherd, right, who leaves the 99 in the desert to go in search of the one. He's scouring the desert trying to bring the one back in. Or it's reminiscent of the woman who loses the coin and she searches her house. She sweeps at everything trying to find the coin. Or the prodigal father who runs out to meet his son. This is the, this is the trajectory of Christianity. This is the story, right? Here's what we need to realize. We all think, especially us good, faithful Catholics, daily mass Catholics, cradle Catholics, legatus Catholics, we all think in many ways, if we're honest, that we're all part of the 6 a.m. crew. We do. We think we're part of the 6 a.m. crew. Like, I went to Catholic school. I sent my kids to Catholic school. I'm part of legatus. I tithe really well. I'm on parish council, whatever it might be, right? I'm, I'm a priest. I'm a bishop, right? Like, We all think we're part of the 6 a.m. crew, but the reality is we are all the 5 p.m. crew, okay? 5 p.m. crew, raise your hand. That should be everybody. Thank you. We are all the 5 p.m. crew. We are all 
Like, none of us merited it. Like, we have all received faith as a sheer gift. The fact that we even know the name of Jesus is because God has, like, invited us into this family called the church. We are all beneficiaries of a mercy we didn't earn. Like, we are all, like, we are all the 5 p.m. crew. It is not our virtues. It's not our gifts. It's not our talents. It's not our work ethic. It's not our spiritual curriculum vitae, our resume, our good works that earn our way into God's love. Like, the spiritual life is not a... It's not a, a, um, a working really hard to attract God's attention. That's not how this works. It's our need. It's our littleness. It's our brokenness. It's our, uh, yeah, it's all that stuff in us that's like the last stuff that we would, would, we would want to be on display. That's the stuff that earns God's attention. Right? Jesus says, the last shall be first. Like the last stuff we want to have be put on display, the last stuff we want to talk about or that we want to own up to, like the stuff that we bury and hide and just cope with, like that's the very stuff that actually puts us in relationship with a savior, right? I don't know if you know this, Jesus is a savior, right? Which means that he saves things. He saves people. And if we have no concept in our own hearts of the things in us that need saving, then we have no concept of the, of the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us, Right? In the same way, like, you go to the, like, doctors deal with illness. At least they used to before they dealt with politics. Anyway, so, like, <laughs> doctors deal with illness and wounds, right? You go to the emergency room. You go to the emergency room. You got this gaping open wound in your heart or in your body, right? The doctor's attention is on the wound. The relationship from doctor to patient is focused in on the wound. When it comes to the Savior, his attention is on the stuff that needs saving. What in you need saving? Like, why is it that the saints, the more that they grow in their, like, holiness, the closer they get to the Lord, why is it that the saints grow in this sense of saying, like, I, I'm even more aware of my sinfulness. I'm even more aware of my sinful tendencies. I'm even more aware of the gulf that separates me and who I'm supposed to be. Like, you would think that, like, a sign of spiritual health is that that should be, like, going down. Like, the holier you become, the, like, the less needy you should become, right? But that's not it. Like a sign of spiritual health is a, is a growing awareness of how deep the need goes. That's spiritual holiness. So this parable that we have, like what it should invite us into is a deep awareness that we're this 5 p.m. crew. We are all the beneficiaries of mercy. And at the end of our life, all that we have to offer and cry out to the Lord is, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Like the Lord delights in saving the good thief who at the 11th hour, at the 59th minute, at the 59th second, turned to the Lord and said, have mercy on me. Lord, call me into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord invited, like the first one home was a thief. How great is that? Like, friends, like, that is all of us. That is all of us. And if we're banking on, like, our spiritual curriculum vitae, we are completely missing the gospel. Let us cry out from our misery to receive the Lord's heart. That's what mercy means, misericordia, a heart given to, mer to misery. If we're not giving him our misery, he's not giving us his heart. That's the, ec that's the economic exchange right here. Give him your misery, he gives you his heart. Amen.